search of meaning. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast In Search of Meaning. My name is Ethan. And I'm Julia. And today we are going to talk about a subject that is really, really fascinating for me. What's today's subject? Um, as far as I remember, it's something like what makes you to be you. Yes, it's what makes you to be you. You just repeat it. <laughs> it's to make a point. And, well, I think it's a very complicated subject because is there really... Is there really a way to be yourself? Like, is there a way to be your true self? That was not the question. The question was what makes you be you. And to me, it appears to be not that complicated. I mean, uh, if we're gonna try and tr to track um, reasons and things that affected you being yourself maybe that's going to be hard but we know the explanations uh, at least like it uh, is coded by your dna and then all the things that happened to you throughout your life starting from your birth and ending with your death uh, makes you be you it they affect you in a different way. Um, they bring different amount of affection for you. Like some uh, things affect you a lot. Some things you don't even remember. Uh, also education, how your parents brought you and well, whatever happened around you. Uh, plus uh, DNA makes you be you. That's my, <laughs> that's my point. Well, there's uh, technically two main parts of the question, who are you? And um, the first part is uh, one which the psychologists have revealed that it is divided in four. The first part is your genetic makeup. And your genetic makeup consists of for example, first, your gender. And your gender uh, comes with certain uh, amount of testosterone or estrogen, and that affects who you are. And also, depending on the genes you have, well, it's the way you live. Well, yeah, that's what I said. The second one, which I think you already said, is your environment. Yes. If you live in a very aggressive family you were somehow become aggressive or on the other hand become very sensible to aggressive people yeah or very sensible and uh, soft and not able to protect yourself in general another one is uh, shared family personality mm, and this you? is very interesting because of uh, not so long ago it was discovered that personality genes do transfer between family members so if you have parents who are aggressive or who are very calm or even intelligent in that matter you can get those genes and uh, their children can be very very similar to those genes so one example is that twins share they're almost the same dna and their personality traits are almost identical. 
Mm-hmm. Like, of course, one can be more open than the other twin, but most of it, they're like very, very similar personalities. Well, that is still what I have said, uh, saying that your personality is coded with DNA. Mm-hmm. And what and was the fourth? The fourth is like life experiences. Isn't it like somehow the same as environment? No, because life experiences um, are maybe a consequence of environment. Or environment is a consequence of life experiences. Or may, it could be also cyclical in some sense. Maybe yes. you want to uh, eat well, the one, other one. One inside of the other. Yeah, like a beautiful Ouroboros. And now uh, I'm going, I want to talk about the, the big personality traits which I refer to the big five, which have been studied for all around the 20th century and have been replicated in all the countries around the world. And these studies reflect very interesting results around the world, uh, around like nationalities, around gender, etc. So what are they? The there are five, which is extroversion, agreeableness, emotion stability, conscientiousness, and openness, and or intellect. And you can you you can just do all these tests online. And if you really want a very specific test, you can just pay for one professional test, or you can just get a cheap one, which will give you a pretty accurate reading of your personality and well i am a very i'm very obsessed i guess with who i am i i I do personality tests very often to see if i change a lot Mm -hmm. see (laughs) to see if i am this type of, of person maybe one year ago if it changes in the next six months and uh, I find it fascinating because it does change, but it never changed in a very dramatic manner. Uh, one of my favorite tests is the... 16 personalities. Yes, 16 personalities. Well, I am a yeah. uh, logician. Like, I'm an architect. And in that sense, uh, I'm an introvert, but I also kind of like rely on logic and other stuff. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say something for like five times. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, first, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, to ask you to tell maybe a little bit more about these big five personality traits. Uh, or, um, no, well, yeah. Uh, first, can you briefly explain what, what uh, does each of them mean? Okay. So, um, this personality tests are basically based on the theory of archetypes of Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, well, if nobody knew, uh, the idea of somebody who is extroverted or somebody who is introverted comes from Carl Jung. Because in his sense, someone who is extroverted is someone who is always very... Mm, focused on the outer world or his outer world. Yeah, like me. 
I am very focused on the outer world, always. And on the other hand, it's introverted, which is somebody who is very focused on their on their inner world, on their thoughts, on what they're feeling, etc. And I would consider myself an introvert because I'm always thinking a lot, and I never talk about everything that I am thinking. But in just ten minutes, I can think a lot of ideas, and so. When you do this big five personality traits, if you get a high score, it means you are very extroverted, which you are active, which you need regular social interaction, and you are primarily dominant. And on the other hand, if you get a low score, you are less active, you need more alone time, and you are submissive. So right off the bat, when you start to see these results of your test. Maybe you are not very happy with it, but I guess it's just part of like trying to be yourself and knowing who you are, because some people who are introverts, when they know that, well, they're submissive, it may seem like a very like attacking. Like I don't want to be submissive, but sometimes you have to accept that the way you are. You have to accept the way you are instead of trying to just. Pretend to be someone else because that happens a lot when you are a certain way, and then you just find good personality traits in other people or in maybe characters in a series or a movie, and you try to copy them, but you find out that they don't seem they don't fit in you as well, and you get frustrated because you cannot be what you want to be. What do you think about that? Because, for example,、um, whenever I saw an important movie about adventure, about finding something important, I always related myself with the characters. So, for example, Indiana Jones, I always found Indiana Jones to be a character to look up to, because he was brave and he was smart and everything. And so when I Finished seeing one of his movies. Of course, I, as a little child, was like, "I want to be like him. I want to be confident, and I want to discover the world and everything." Um. Well, what what I suppose is your question is if you can pretend to be somebody else and become or not. Is it? More about that, like for example, if you find some、uh, role model、mm-hmm. and you want to behave and act just like that person or character,、uh, so and the question is if you can do it or not. Well, my point is that you can't do it. Oh yeah, well yeah, I agree here. Yeah, but、uh, I just want I wanted to talk about how、um, it's something that maybe a lot of people go through. Hmm. Do know?、Um, I guess I never had that in my experience as something big. Like I found somebody、uh, like you found Diana Jones, and I wanted to be like that person throughout like four years.、Mm-hmm. I constantly find people which I admire in one or other sense. They could be professors at school. They could be my 
language tutors. Uh, they could be artists and photographers sharing their experience. And uh, if there is something that I can gain as a person, I would gain it. I would try to copy a little bit, but that's something of a very fast way, um, fa- fast um, process. Like it happens during one, two, three weeks, maybe sometimes several months, if I really, really admire somebody. But um, I interpret it in my own way and somehow make it to fit my personality because um, not often, and I would say that pretty, pretty. Um, rare, a person who I admire is of my type of personality. Like, for example, I don't know about 16 personality tests, I don't remember who I am there, but according to a very similar or almost the same test of socionics mm-hmm. or such, well, blah, yeah, blah, blah. They're, they're basically the yes, so, yeah. yeah, they're basically similar. I'm that type of uh, um, intuitive, ethical, extrovert or something like that yeah yeah i remember that in 60 personality you were like the green one which is like something from green like happy extroverted uh empathetic person yes that one and mostly people that i admire they are very different and that i think what makes uh this common stereotype of uh Opposites being uh, magneted to each other, and also in this uh, system of uh, of socionics, it's like it has it, it describes different types of relationship between people, and uh, there the best relationship you can ever get is the one with the person completely opposite to you in all the characteristics. And but wouldn't that make it like crash? Clash instead of flow? No. Well, it will also depend on some other types which cannot be described like interests and goals and stuff. But in this um, thing, like, for example, I'm uh, extrovert. That's why I need an introvert to be my partner. If I'm logical, then I need to be a logical person to be my partner, and etc. And that's what I noticed uh, chosen my role models. Those people were very different from how I am. For example, I always wanted to have more time uh, to spend alone like introverts do, but I never could because, well, when I had an, when I had free time, uh, like Saturday, no classes, uh, the whole Sunday is coming <laughs> and you can you can choose between staying at home and reading a book or going out with friends to a bar well guess what i would choose <laughs> what i would always choose and next time i had the same situation i wouldn't think like okay last time i went to a bar that means that time i will stay at home no i was thinking like that I want to. I want to go with friends because uh, I'm a person who gains um, energy from entertaining myself with the other people. Yeah, contrast to me. I, I would just stay home. I was like, I don't need so. I don't need to socialize. I would just stay home. But this leads me to our second uh, element of personality, which is agreeableness. Mm-hmm. So. You said that basically people who are opposite to each other go well together. Now, I I, I find it interesting because I don't agree, but I respect your opinion, and especially in agreeableness. Because, well, 
what is agreeable is, is the ability to be submissive or dominant in actions or comments, etc. So let's say that uh, you have a friend and you're going to the movies and either you have the possibility to watch a horror movie or you want the possibility to watch a romantic movie. Somebody who is more uh, agreeable will don't care. Maybe that person doesn't like horror movies, but maybe the person is less agreeable. So the other person will be like, okay, let's watch horror movies. But agreeable people can't say no. They're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's the thing. But imagine two uh, not agreeable people trying to go to a movie. Of course, they'll be arguing like, no, 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 no. No, they will never go. Or, on the other hand, two agreeable people. Which will never do anything. <laughs> <laughs> will never do anything. One will be like, well, I don't mind going to either horror or romantic movies. And the other one will be like, well, I don't mind going to both either. And they will never choose. Ooh, but there will. There also needs to be. There always needs to be somebody like dominating in some sense. But, but, but if like they're both in the extremes, there's a complete disbalance because all the control has the non-agreeable part. Yeah, but the other person is so agreeable that it doesn't even care that all the choices are on the other person because maybe this person doesn't have um, enough of. Will of power, and this person can never choose. Well, well, yeah. I understand, but like that person, even though it wants to see some type of movie, it can't say no, and so time will pass, and it will, that person will just become frustrated. Okay, let's move to another one. <laughs> so I, I want to comment on this because, for example, one big theme. Um, one thing that is big on the news right now is the idea that women unfairly earn less than men and it's interesting because one of the reasons that this is true is because of this personality trait because men in general are more are non-agreeable and women are more agreeable and so when you have a workplace and you have like uh, a meeting with your boss and, you, and people go there and you say, hey, okay, what's wrong? A man would say like, okay, I want to race. And the boss would say, okay, how about um, 5% race? Uh, a man could say like, no, 15. You're like, oh, okay, we can do 15. Done. And then a woman comes in and the woman says, I want to race. And then the boss would say like, okay, 5%. And the woman would say, well, not bad. Okay, 5%. Even though they do the same job, but the ability to negotiate from the, from the man was more successful because of the non-agreeable. And of course, it could be a pain in the ass to be non-agreeable in other social situations. But uh, there's more than more to it. Well, let me be a feminist right now and sure. uh, contradict with you uh, in some sense. Oh, does it depend just on personality? Well, I mean, yeah, it does depend on personality. But are those personalities on being agreeable or not agreeable come from our 
genetics and of of our from our gender or does it maybe come from environment because if parents raise a very strong girl telling her that uh if you ever uh find something that you don't agree with you should go and say hey i don't agree with this you should change something and on the other hand maybe there is a, a man that parents never care about him agreeing or not agreeing to anything and this man just always uh, agrees to whatever they suggest him. Uh, but the thing is that in our society, people more tend to bring up men that are non-agreeable and women that are more agreeable. Like, ah, dear, yeah, maybe he's saying to you that you need to do makeup every day. Well, you'd better agree because, well, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I can, I can, this situation seems to me very, very real. Like, well, well I think it's uh, a combination of uh, a lot of things. But uh, like in all the, um, the tests and all the research that has done with personalities around the, the world, in all of... Uh, in all the entire world, in all the entire cultures, like Africa, Russia, Mexico, Argentina, women in general are more agreeable. Of course, that doesn't mean that there aren't women that are not agreeable, because they are. But the difference is quite strong. And one big part of it could be the environment, like values, family values, and other part could be just genes. Because even the most sophisticated countries in social terms like northern countries have this difference and well it's just depends on the genes and personality and of course if you are a very agreeable person you need to learn how to stop being that and it's something that you can't change and it's not something that is locked there forever of course it's hard uh, but you have to be able to understand your weaknesses to overcome them. Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, what's next? What's the next one? The next one is called emotional stability. Or in some tests, it's called neuroticism, which is like to be neurotic. Mm-hmm. Or maybe anxious in that sense. Mm, and what are the extremes? Of course, if you score high, you are emotionally stable, you are normal-tempered, you are resilient. And on the other hand, if if your score is very low, you are very frightened, you are short-tempered, and you are fragile. Mm -hmm. And... This reminds me of a very interesting research they did on chimpanzees. Because during modern times, uh, we've seen that there's a lot of anxiety going around. And people suffer from anxiety more and more and more. And it seems like a burden because, well, it is. But they grabbed two groups of monkeys... And from one group of monkeys, they took the anxious monkeys away. And, well, see what happened. And so, well, they 
um, threw them into the jungle and everything. And the group that didn't have the anxious monkeys died. Because the anxious monkeys... Sounds like a cool rock band. The anxious <laughs> monkeys. Um, were the ones who, who were trying to tell about danger. Because, of course, when you're neurotic, you find everything dangerous. And you're trying to warn everybody about it. He's like, okay, let's cross this log. But somebody who is very neurotic would say like, no, 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 it will break. No, 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 let's start with a rock. No, 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 what if we do it somewhere, something more safe? And of course, everybody would be like, oh my God, shut up. But if you don't have that neurotic person, then every idea that you have becomes a good idea. Hey man, what if we just get drunk and then just jump over this cliff? Okay, let's do it. If you had a neurotic person, it was like, no, no, be careful. You're going to get hurt. You're going to break your leg. That's very tall. And, well, you can see how this neuroticism affects society. And also, uh, women in general are more anxious than men. And that is basically because of... Uh, it is rumored that it's because of child labor of getting pregnant and having to care themselves more makes them be more aware of their surroundings because they have they have a life inside of their own body so they have to be more cautious well yeah and uh, in the physical sense women are uh, by default um, less strong than men are so you gotta be more uh, aware of your environment in um, so to so to prevent uh, an extreme situation because you know that in an extreme situation you won't be able to do anything uh, and men on the other hand uh, they won't they will better not prevent anything. They will just go and see what happens because if an extreme situation occurs, they can protect themselves. Just in general. Of course, there are strong women and uh, not strong men, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking like in general. Okay, so let's move forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Next one is conscientiousness. And uh, if you have a high score in this, means you are organized, hardworking, and sticks to a plan. And on the other hand, if you score low, you are unproductive, procrastinating, and impulsive. Which is different from being intelligent. Because you can be hardworking and not have a high IQ at all. And you can be unproductive, but to have a very high IQ. That's what actually happens very often. Uh, hard-working and uh, disciplined people achieve more than uh, people with high IQ because people with high IQ are more probably procrastinating, lazy and non-organized. Or at least that's what I faced in my uh, in my own experience. And people who have both, both self-organization and uh, high IQ are those on the top. Yeah, 
That's true. That's true. Like on the real top, not got to be there somehow sneaky and stuff. Something that uh, I've read that happens very often with people who have uh, high intellect is that they think that they deserve the world. And because they understand the world better and they see things that nobody sees, they think that just because they understand it better, they are entitled to a better life. And so it makes them become more unproductive and lazy and everything. And then when they see somebody who's successful, they get mad because they see that they are they they are obviously not as intelligent as them and they don't understand why they're at the top. Well, it's because of conscientiousness. Well, the thing with me, I guess, is that I wouldn't say that I have like super high IQ or something like that, but I can say that I am I has always been showing results better than the group I was. Like not the best, but in general I was higher than middle. Let's put it this way. And what it always made me to be is to be lazy not because I was thinking that I uh, deserved the whole world. No, I've never, I've never had that. I never had a very uh, good uh, self, self confidence and self estimation and whatever. Uh, just because I was able to do things faster than everybody else. Like when we were in the class and we have a new rule to learn, I would be the fastest to get it. When we had a question to answer, I would be the fastest to have a to have any answer was it correct or not that's different but whatever i was able to to do things like faster than everybody else because of my i guess mind speed <laughs> and maybe because i was not afraid of anything when i was 18 and when i was a kid and so that made me well when you always know that you can do things fast and you will not do them bad like you don't need a lot of time to do things good it just somehow disorganizes you and you're like yeah why would i start writing my thesis uh half a year before if i know that i can start it one month before and do it in a decent way maybe not the best but in a decent way so it will work i will not get uh, kicked out from university or whatever. So why would I even put any effort? And that's that's very tricky. It doesn't mean that you get fully calm those five months before you have your months to write the thesis, and you're like, okay, that's 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 the time. Uh, or it doesn't mean that you uh, ab- that you're able in one month to achieve the best results. It just it just makes you feel that you will that you will be uh, on the same um, on the same level with the others or doing less than the others and you're okay with this uh, and I think you need to have like really good motivation to make yourself do more things and spend more time and then you will be able to achieve more like to achieve to achieve the top to, to reach to the top yeah very good. Well put. 
you want let's uh go to the next point because well it's very connected openness or intellect if you score high in openness and intellect it means that you are curious that you remember dreams that you are open to new things and you are prone to abstract thought and if you score very low you mean you are close-minded narrow you don't remember your dreams you avoid or dislike new things and you're living in the now like in the present so what do you think about this who do you think you are my first question in regarding an, as openness yeah I, th I think I am quite open. Like, I think I, I, I have a very big openness, but I am very non-agreeable. Mm -hmm. So, f for something... Like, I, I, if somebody has uh, an idea, I would listen to it. But... if I don't know if that idea will convince me. I'll be like, okay, tell me what do you think. I will listen. I will analyze it. But I've thought about... Well, I'm neurotic, so I've thought about everything too much. Maybe way too much than I should. So, and, then, and then others did. <laughs> yeah. And I will listen, but I'm non-agreeable. So it's very hard for me to agree with what you're saying unless you have very convincing evidence that that is how it is, or that's what the evidence suggests. And what about you? Um, well, I wouldn't say that I'm a very agreeable person, but I guess I'm more agreeable than you, because I'm, I tend more to accept uh, somebody else's point of view until this view comes to bother me. So if, if you're opinion doesn't bother me at all and it's your opinion just keep your opinion with yourself and i'm fine with that whatever your opinion is if it doesn't violate anybody's rights um and about openness in, in intellect i would say that i'm super curious i'm more curious than i shouldn't be mm -hmm. uh, but th this curiosity doesn't go further than just curiosity unfortunately um I remember my dreams almost every night. I'm open to new things. I was more open before, but I think it's just age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's proven that age makes you less open. Yeah. Um, I was listening to that photographer, one of like the best Russian street something photographers, and um, the interviewer asked him, like, hey, uh, what is your dream? Do you have a dream? And he was like, well, I would say that my dream is to stay the same openness level as I am now because there is that that Russian photographer who lives in Paris and he's the only member of Magnum from Russia, like who is Russian and he's super cool and he's like 80 something and he has his Instagram where he makes photographs with his phone and that was super super adorable to him because he was like yeah you know that's so cool that when you are 80 you learn how to use the phone how to make photos with phone and you move from the way that you 
used to know to the new ways. And that's cool. And he said that he was that was his dream. And I can relate to that, like, really, because I'm really afraid, well... I can feel that it's happening right now because, for example, I can't listen to this new rap music popular in Russia right now, for example. It just just doesn't speak to me in that sense. This TikTok or something just didn't speak to me as well. I, I mean, I tried, but I just, I just felt so cringy seeing all those videos. Almost, I don't know, maybe 60% of them, that this cringiness just won and I had not to install it on my new phone. <laughs> Some Russian rap songs are quite good. Yeah, like three songs out of everything that I've ever heard. Not that I've heard too much, but, you know. Oh, I like it. Um, I'm just right now about about what I, how I feel that. Mm. And prone to abstract thoughts, I would say yes. But at the same moment... I like to 90%. Other 20% I live in the now. <laughs> what about you? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because of uh, it's also have been proven that to be a very artistic person, you have you have to have a certain personality trait. What are they? Uh, you have to be very open mm-hmm. because artistic people are very open. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be not emotionally stable <laughs> and I think most of it most of them are not conscientious uh, which was it like organized uh-huh yeah that's me uh... yeah and uh, well the idea that they, they get obsessed with ideas well it means that they are very open curious yeah and they're very curious yeah. Well, it's... I wouldn't put it that way. I mean, um, is obsession equal to openness? I mean, I feel that those are two different things because I'm very curious and has always been very curious, but my curiosity never went too far, as I said. It's like, oh, wow, I'm so curious about how programming works. Let's try programming. Then I'm trying programming, and then it never goes very much... Far. Well, well, that's what I mean. What if that openness that you feel is 80? And what if somebody who is really attracted to a lot of things and just learns it has an openness of 95? Not a very big difference for somebody who doesn't do anything for somebody who does a lot. 80 and 95? 80. 80 and 95. Yes, 50%. 15%? I think it's a lot of difference when you when you got personality. Oh, because like yes. for example, in general, well, there's an average in every society about the average of openness, the average of agreeableness, etc. If you are in the average of conscientiousness, of uh, curiosity, and everything, well. If you're a little bit higher than the average, well, you feel different. And of course, you are more creative and you are interested in stuff. But if you are in the, in the extreme, now to be in the extreme is something else. Because 
the difference starts to be even more prominent the more you get away from the average. And that you can see it also with every type of the personalities that we just talked about. Everybody almost, I think 95% of all the people are in between an average. And then the other five are in the extremes. And so that's when you find like this, either extraordinary people or horrible people who are um, non-agreeable, who are neurotic, who are unconscientious, who are close-minded, who are aggressive. And well, that's where things start to peak either intellectual gods or psychopaths. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's very interesting. Super interesting, this uh, personality traits. And uh, I had a question. Uh, you want to say something? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. That is very interesting. But um, I feel that those things that you had, that you told from the big five, um, well, I find these 16 personalities, like traits from there, are more ground-based, let's say. I I don't remember what are they, and I don't remember uh, them in English, uh, but those that you listed right now, like, for example, being agreeable or being conscientious. Yes. Consci- being, oh, yeah, conscientious, being conscientious. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they are pretty changeable. And th- this test that you take like from 16 personalities contains uh, the traits which are which are not changeable. Like this first one from this the five the big five uh-huh. um extroversion and introversion uh it's um um it's it's not changeable. It doesn't change throughout your life. Why not? Entra- extroversion and introversion? Yeah. Well, I thought it's something that is like programmed to you, like coded with your DNA or, re- or whatever, and it's just that you're either extrovert or introvert, and it can slightly change that at some periods of life you feel that you need to be alone more, and some periods of life you feel that you need to be with other people more, but it's... As I heard it from my psychologist, she said that introverts gain um, energy while being alone and spend and waste energy while being with other people. Oh, yes. And extroverts gain energy from talking to other people and uh, lose energy while being alone. So I don't think that's a thing that can change a lot throughout your life. Well, I think you can you can work with it. Like, of course, your main uh, personality will be either your introvert or extrovert. For, for example, I have always been an introvert. But if I never worked with myself and if I never tried to overcome my introvertness and to speak with just to speak to people in public, etc., I wouldn't be doing this podcast because. I have to take everything inside of me and somehow 
put it outside. And it's not easy, but it, it takes some practice. And I would never consider myself to be fully extroverted. But I do think that my extroversion levels rose up a little bit because I, I managed to train myself to do it. And well, that's what a lot of people do, like in self-confidence training and coaches and even psychologists, they're, they're trying to make you aware of your personality and try to make it change it to, for, for the better. So yeah, uh, talking about 16 personalities test, the, uh, they, they, they have four different criteria, which are introverted and extroverted. And it's how you expand energy, sensing and intuition, how you receive information, thinking and feeling, how you make decisions, and judging uh, versus perceiving how you see the world. So those are, seem to me, just like ground uh, extremes for what we just have discussed with the big five. Because I think those things, like how you make decisions and how you receive information and how it's in the world, can explain somehow, like, either you're open or not, either you're organized or not, and etc., etc. So, yeah. And it's, well, it's just my way of um, receiving and taking uh, situations and ideas. Like, I always want to get to... To the reason like why why is it like that and i thought that our idea of the podcast today like is why you are how you are maybe i got it wrong i thought it's why not what then <laughs> no well what makes you is your personality and your what you like what you hate and that brings me to uh, one question that we had, which is the things that we like defines us because we give them uh, individual interpretation based on our personality mm -hmm. or it doesn't influence it at all. So can you put the question in a maybe different way so I can understand it better? Yeah, sure. Um, I think what it means is that, for example, if you have, if you're a fanatic of Harry Potter, let's does, does that in some sense have to do with your own personality? The way you are, you like Harry Potter more than Lord of the Rings, for example. I guess so. Yeah. I I I, I agree too. I think uh well maybe before I was very obsessed with the idea that whatever you liked was a big part of what what you were. So if you liked like a, a specific type of music, that meant that you were this guy with personality very specific. Mm -hmm. uh, like for example, every time I, I met somebody who liked the flaming lips, I automatically thought like, this guy is cool, this guy is open. This guy is interesting because he's into that kind of music that reflects this open, weird music type. And so I think the question goes in that sense. Have you ever had like a something like that? 
Um, well, what I heard is show me who your friend is and I will tell you who you are. So I think that's an extrovert uh, point of view on this, <laughs> on this matter. Um, well, <laughs> um, it's just that people who are obsessed with something can get on well because they are very interested in something but it doesn't mean that they will connect on somebody el- on on something else mm-hmm. and yeah interests are decisive and for example if your interests like completely different you will not get on well even though you are going well uh according to all the psychological tests like you're supposed to go well uh but uh and it cannot work uh but if you are if your interests are same and you love like everything same you like both orange juice um I don't know, Lord of the Rings and uh, traveling to to Zurich and mm. you're like both obsessed with both with all of these three things but in other th- in other senses you don't uh, you're not supposed to like go on well together I will also think that that it's not like that it's not possible like even if you're super big fans of same things it doesn't mean that you are uh same people at all or that you are people who will get on that you will become very good friends maybe you can become very good friends but like different type of friendship okay okay you can be like friends who meet like once a month and they have a bunch to discuss but they wouldn't like to meet uh, the rest of the month or they're friends who cannot live without each other uh every day so yeah that's what i mean okay okay let's let's move to Another question, which is referred to the the title promoted for this episode, which is what makes you, you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, if there is really a true you, how, how can you be truly yourself? Is there uh, this essence of your true self? Uh, that's very complicated. What do you think? Um, I believe that your true self is the best version of yourself that you can be what if you cannot be any good at all (laughs) what if you're well it, it doesn't mean that you're bad like the best version of yourself is even the worst person in the world doing a good thing and that's the only thing that ever, good that has ever done. Well, that is his verse, best version of himself. Like there's always a better version of you. And for me, that is your true self. Your true self is the best you can be. And also the one who doesn't break uh, ethic laws in that sense. Like if you have a very strict idea that eating sugar is wrong and you go to a party and you see those beautiful delicious cakes well to be to in order to be truly yourself you have to keep 
synchronized those different aspects of yourself, which is like you, the idea of sugar is wrong and don't eat that cake. And that's when you honor yourself and that's when you become your true self. A better self. Um, I would slightly disagree here. If, if I perceive it correctly, if um, your true self is your best self, doesn't it mean that your true self is always in the future? <laughs> because your very self is always waiting somewhere over there uh, until you are able to, like, not evolve, but to gain any progress. It's in the future, but it's also in the present. Because if you're always thinking about the future, then you cannot attain it in the present. Yeah, but if we're assuming that uh, you can always become a better version of yourself, doesn't it mean that your true self is still waiting for you somewhere there, so nowhere? You mean that maybe your true self is the best you will be in your entire life before you die? Well, that's that what appears to me that you say. It makes sense. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your true self is the better version of yourself you are before you die. Well, I think that your... Maybe that's your potential. That, that potential. Yeah, that, that what you said, you're like a better version of yourself, sounds more like potential, but not like true self. I think true self is something that is always there with you. Like, for example, with me, there's always this peaceful um, thing, I would say. Like, I'm always for peace. I'm not saying that I'm a pacifist, but I've always been, like, for making peaceful things, and when I don't act according to my true self, is moments when I feel bad. And, for example... Um, and it doesn't mean that you should be like the best version of yourself. It's like when you, <laughs> when you're doing something and you're feeling that it's right, then, then it's true you. Then you're acting true you. When, when you don't feel that it, that it's coming from the outside, that somebody, that somebody influenced you doing that or you're doing something because somebody told you to do so or you're doing something and you're not feeling satisfied with it at all that means that you're doing something wrong not acting your true self out but if you're doing things and you're feeling them go in the right way that's your true self in Jungian terms um, it's what it's between the ego and the shadow which is the self which is what you just said exactly Oh, I'm really young, yeah! A yeah. Jungian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess I agree. I guess you changed my mind. Oh, great. I guess you're not that non-agreeable. Maybe. If the idea is good, I'll, I'll accept. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any more questions? I don't, do you? No. Okay, so I will leave it to here for this episode. And I am very interested in everybody's results in their personality tests. So I would encourage you to do it and to send us a message to know what personality test you are. So Yes, down there in the description on the YouTube, you can find a link to 16 personalities test. Great. And I, and I will put my results 
I will put mine maybe. Okay, I don't know if you're going to do it again. Maybe. Okay, so we'll see you next time. And the topic will be? We still don't know, but we will inform you days before. Okay, see you next time. I mean, be heard next time, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.